God's Word. Just an encouragement, make sure you check out the four-year booklet we gave out last week. It's online now under the resources tab. So if you missed at all that or if you don't have the booklet or if you lost the booklet, you can still learn and go over all the wonderful things God's been doing. So check that out. Make good use of it like we said. For the next six weeks now, we're going to be spending the next six weeks in Hebrews chapter 11 for a series about faith called The Faith Factor. The Faith Factor, right? That's going to be the next six weeks of our time together. And we're going to be looking at what does it look like to live a life of faith? What does faith look like in all of our lives? And what does it look like to live by faith? Now, how many of you uh, have ever seen the show Fear Factor? Okay, okay, some of you, right? That's kind of an old one, right? So uh, Fear Factor was a show where basically it's, you know, you had to overcome your fears to accomplish certain challenges. So the reality of the show was how much fear plays a role in so many things of our lives and so many situations. And you had to deal with the fear. Then you had to overcome it so that you could accomplish some challenge, so that you could eat something disgusting, so that you could jump off something too high, uh, whatever it might be. Uh, it was called the fear factor because fear has such a role and a consistent role in so many of our decisions and situations in life. I want you to flip that for this particular series as we talk about the faith factor and consider how much faith should and has a role in every situation in our life. Faith is not something we utilize once to become a Christian, but it's something we need to utilize every day to face the challenges that life brings. What you're going to see throughout this series is that faith has to be the main factor in our entire life, the main factor in every minute of our life. Otherwise, we're going to struggle much more than we should. Faith, as many of you know who are followers of Christ, is essential to follow God. You cannot follow God apart from faith. But what I also want everyone to understand is faith is actually an integral, a very important part in everyone's life because everyone has faith. Everyone has faith. Whether you're here today and you're a Christ follower or not, you are a person of faith. Whether you're here today and you have no idea what you believe, you're still a person of faith. Everyone has faith. The question is not whether you are a person of faith. The question is what do you put your faith in? Nobody can get away with saying, well, I just don't believe. Yeah, you do. You believe something. Even if you believe nothing, the nothing is something because that's what you believe. You have put your faith in something. I want everyone to understand that we have this common baseline that as human beings, we are all choosing to put our faith somewhere. Nobody can run away from this decision or put their head in the ground and pretend like it doesn't exist or try to just not think about it too much. Every one of us is a person of faith, and the question is not whether you are a person of faith. The question is what have you or do you put your faith in? And for some of us, the question is not, where have you put your faith before, but really, what are you putting your faith in now? And how is that affecting your life? This is actually the most important question any human being of any religion or any, anything anywhere in the whole world could ever answer. Therefore, this is relevant for every single person listening, no matter what your spiritual condition is. Every single one of us is a person of faith. What I want to help you do is put your faith in the right place so that it works on your behalf. And that's how we're going to run the rest of the series. So go ahead and open your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's go. All right. We're excited to hear from the Lord. We're going to do just the first three verses this morning. This is what it says. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. 
By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we're going to start here. We're in there this morning and just do these first three verses as we get going. We're going to start in verse 3 because what I, what I need to do now is create that baseline for all of us that we are all a people of faith. Verse 3 says, by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. Now, raise your hand if you were there when the universe began. Anybody? No. No, you were not there. None of us were there when the universe began. No human being was there when the universe began. And so now, all of a sudden, we realize every single person has to make a decision based on faith. You weren't there when the universe started. I wasn't there when the universe started. Nobody was there when the universe started. So we're all making a decision on faith. What you believe about how we're all here is a decision on faith. You, have, you do not have irrefutable, undeniable evidence, and you certainly haven't seen it by your own eyes to say, well, this is certainly the case. You're all making a decision based off faith. We all have faith, and everyone is making a decision based on faith. Even if you refuse to think about it or haven't thought of that big of a deal, you're still using faith in something. For the Christian, our faith is Jesus Christ through the word of God, revealed through the word of God. This is what it says, by faith we understand the universe was created by the word of God. Not only by the word of God, but we learn this in the word of God. And so our faith is placed directly into what the word of God has revealed about who Jesus is. This is how we understand how to move forward in life. So what is your faith in? Are you putting your faith in a cosmological accident? Is that where you want to put your faith? Are you putting your faith in simply an I don't know? I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I guess I haven't really thought about it. Where are you putting your faith? Are you putting it in just chance, happenstance? Are you putting it in another God? Did another God bring this all about? Are you putting your faith in yourself? You think, well, human beings really are it for the world. Are you putting your faith in another religion? All that to say, every single one of us, even if you would call yourself an atheist or whatever it might be, is a person of faith, and by faith you are making a decision to choose to understand how the world began. We all have faith. We all have faith. The question is not whether you have faith, but what do you put your faith in? Now, that's true for big life questions, but it's also true everyday basis. I just want to reinforce how important this is, that you are a person of faith. You exercised faith when you got in the car this morning and drove to church. You exercise faith. You put faith in what? Other people to drive like they're supposed to drive. You got in the car and said, I'm going to risk my life this morning based off the fact that everyone else is going to obey the traffic rules. And they're not going to run a red light, slam me, and kill me. I'm putting my faith in other people to drive right this morning, even though nobody ever does around the DMV. You know, I'm putting my faith in that anyways. What another place? You're putting your faith. When you told someone that something was right and something was wrong, you have put your faith somewhere. When you have made a moral judgment on right and wrong, you have become a person of faith. When you corrected your kids on their behavior, you did that in faith. There is not like a little box that, you know, a scientific experiment you can do to say this is right and this is wrong. No. You're making a decision based off faith. Faith in some system of the world or faith in your personal viewpoint on things that something is right and something is wrong. If you've ever corrected anyone and if you've ever just said this is right and that is wrong, you are a person of faith. How about this? When you chose how to spend your weekend so that you could be most happy, you became a person of faith. You said this weekend, this is what I'm going to do 
to make my weekend the most enjoyable experience it can be. This will make me happy. Even if you didn't think that out loud, that's the process that you made in your heart. Say, these are the things I'd like to do. And some of you made certain decisions to go places you probably shouldn't have gone. Why? That's a, that's a faith decision. The faith decision is saying, this is what I believe will make me happy. And that's connected to what you believe really is your soul is made for and what really makes you happy. That's, a, that's being a person. You put your faith in something or some situation to deliver back to you what you feel like you were made for so you could be happy. Right? See, in all these situations in life, we are a people of faith making decisions based off faith. We all have faith. We all have faith. The problem is many of us choose to start our faith based off what our life is like now or based off our current understanding of life in 2023. However, the starting point of real faith is the very beginning of time. A starting point for faith based off your life currently is actually a very bad place to have faith. I've used this example before with you guys, but it's like opening up a book on page 200 and being really confused that you don't know what the plot is. And if you open the book at page 200 and then said, well, I understand all these things about, you would totally miss the point. You have to go back to the beginning to understand where you're at in the middle. So faith requires an understanding of how things began. You actually cannot be a person of faith without some choice and understanding of how things began. You cannot start your life and decide how, how you should live based off your life. It's like opening a book and starting in the middle. You need to know the beginning. And so faith tells us here that the universe was created by the word of God. We have to answer this question, how in the world did we all get here and what are we here for? Now, I'm not gonna go into an entire argument on how that's uh, verifiable or whatever it might be. The Bible's gonna tell you, plain and simple, that the heavens declare the glory of God. I mean, the, the very simple equation here, if you wanna go with this, I'm just gonna put this out there. Okay, the idea that zero plus zero could equal one is just wild to me. I just don't know how, you know, I don't, that, that even does it for me to say, okay, some, some all these things are, nothing can't create something. And that seems plain and simple. Nothing can't create, so something had to be there first. Something had to exist without help of existing. If I'm gonna choose something to exist that didn't need something else to make it exist, God seems to be the only logical answer for that. Something had to come out of nothing, and that would be God. God never even began in the first place. So for me to say, well, the universe was nothing and then became something, or for me to just say God has always been, and he's supernatural over all these things, when you're just not even talking faith, when you're just talking logic, I'm going to say God's the most logical answer for that. Okay, so that's where, I'm just going to leave that there. You can use, there's a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of good stuff about how creation works. But what the Bible is going to make the point is you're choosing faith based off, you're, you're making a decision of faith. Now, verse 3 says here, therefore what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. So here's what's spiritually important, okay? It's saying, okay, by faith we believe the universe was made by the word of God so that the things we can see are made by something we can't see. So here's what you need to understand about your life. If what is not seen is the force behind what we do see, then what we don't see would be of primary importance, you understand? If what we see was created by something we can't see, the force behind what we see is something we can't see, then the thing we cannot see is actually the main thing. It's the main thing. It's of primary importance. So therefore the things we can see become secondary because the thing we cannot see was what forced what we can see into being. 
So if what was made was made from things we cannot, if what we can see was made from something we can't see, then the thing we cannot see becomes primary, not secondary to our lives. That's the thing we have to figure out. That's the thing that should drive our decisions. If what we see was made by something we cannot see, then what we cannot see must be primary, not secondary. And the issue with many of our lives is we treat the reality and the spiritual realm of what we cannot see as secondary instead of primary. We've swapped roles. And the things we can see, we treat as most important. And the things we cannot see, we relegate to secondary importance. And the Bible's gonna flip this over and say, no, 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 what you cannot see is actually the main thing, and what you can see is of secondary importance. So if you live your entire life putting the main importance on things you can see, you'll miss the entire point of your existence. And you also won't find the things you're looking for, like we talk about all the time, the peace, the joy, the forgiveness, all those things actually aren't available in things we cannot, and things we can see. So the main factor of our lives, therefore, it's not the things we can see, but faith in what we cannot see. This is why I'm talking about the faith factor, because the reality of your life and the main thing of your life is not what you can see, but what you cannot see. And faith is required to deal in the realm of things you cannot see with your eyes. All right? Primary, not secondary. Now, What's wonderful about Jesus and the Word of God is, however, that even though the most important thing is something we cannot see, which is God, he has made himself seeable through many ways. So I have a Bible. I can look at the Bible. I can touch the Bible. It's a real thing. I can feel it. I can see it. I can read it. And so the, the, the unseeable God has made himself seeable through the Scriptures, through the Word of God. He has given us a book. And he has given us words, and we can read them. The unseeable God is seeable through the word of God. Also, the unseeable God came down in human form in Jesus, was seen by many even after his resurrection, who give testimony to his life. The unseeable God became seeable in Jesus Christ. Another example is the unseeable God is seeable in creation. The Bible says so often that creation gives a witness to who God is. And so I want to encourage you this morning that the faith we have in, in Jesus and in Christianity is, is certainly not blind faith. It is not just attached to things we cannot see. But in God's grace, he has made the things we cannot see seeable through many forms, namely the word of God, the testimony of Jesus, and creation. And therefore, we have actually very good reason to understand what we cannot see. So faith does these two things. Faith helps us see what we cannot see, but it also helps you interpret what we do see. So faith helps you see what you can't see, but faith also interprets what you do see. So when you look at the Bible, faith is the interpreter to say this is really the word of God. And so you can look at the Bible and everybody has faith in the Bible. You know why? Because you either have faith that the Bible's not legit or you have faith that the Bible is legit. You're making a decision on faith. You have faith that the Bible's true or you have faith that the Bible's not true. You're interpreting what the Bible is based off faith. You have faith that Jesus, when he came down and lived and died and rose again, that this is true or this is not true. When you look at the sun and the universe, you're putting faith in that it's a cosmic accident or the hand of God. You are a person of faith, and your faith is the filter by which you see the world. It is interpreting for you the realities that you're willing to accept. And so this is the truth for all of us that we're all people of faith. So in light of that fact, that we are all people of faith, the most important question then is, is my faith in a good place, and how do I use it? 
That's what we're going to do the rest of Hebrews 11. Is my faith in a good place, and how do I use it? So the context of Hebrews 11 is important for you to understand what's actually happening in this particular chapter. The chapter beforehand in chapter 10, the last verse says, We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. So chapter 10 is about, and the the last part especially, about endurance. It's about sticking with it. It's about fighting till the end. It's about not shrinking back. To say, hey, don't shrink back. Be a person of courage. Stick with it and endure and move forward. And do it by faith. The end of chapter 10 says the righteous shall live by faith. So apparently, faith is the solution to allow me to move forward in my life, but I don't understand quite what that means. So Hebrews 11 comes in, and the first three verses define what faith is. So faith is needed for me to move forward in life. Hebrews 11 defines what faith is. And then the rest of the chapter are examples to give real-life illustrations to faith lived out in a variety of circumstances. I'm just telling you how helpful this is going to be for you every week because we're going to look at different people's lives, the situations that they were in, and what faith looked like for them. And it's going to help you find yourself in the scriptures to say, what does faith look like in my current situation in life? This is so wonderful. So the Bible here says, hey, you got to keep going, and you're going to do it by faith. And this is the definition of faith. And then here are people who lived, who, who lived by faith. And the big picture we see throughout the scriptures is that faith is what moves us forward. This is what you're going to want to write down and consider today is that faith is what moves us forward. You need faith to move forward, and faith is what moves us forward. And some of you are feeling pretty stuck in your life right now. You're pretty, feeling pretty stuck based off the circumstances of your life. You're feeling pretty stuck based off, the, based off the situations of your life. You don't know how to move forward, but I want to encourage you this morning that you can move forward, you, you can move forward even when the rest of your life does not. This is very important for you to help you. You can move forward even when the rest of your life does not. And instead of waiting on things around you to propel you, there is something internal to you based off who Jesus is to you that can allow you to move forward and not be stuck even when the rest of your life does not. And we're going to see how the only possible thing that can do that is Jesus Christ. Because it has to be something above and beyond your life. You need Jesus and you need faith in Jesus for you to move forward in life. But let me encourage you this morning, you can move forward even while nothing else does in your life. And the rest of this chapter is going to help you do that little by little. How can I move forward even while nothing else does? So if I want that to be true for me, it has to be by faith. And so this is what we're going to look at now. How does faith work? How does faith work? There will be three things you're going to see. The first thing is this, that faith creates confidence. So how do I move forward while nothing else in my life does? What kind of thing allows me to move forward while nothing else in my life does? What kind of thing allows me to have courage instead of shrinking back? What kind of thing allows me to move forward instead of giving up? What kind of thing does this? Well, it's faith. How? Why? Because the first thing faith does is faith creates confidence. Verse 1 says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Assurance could also be subbed out for the word confidence. 
Faith is the confidence of things hoped for. Faith creates confidence. It creates assurance. Now, why does it do that? Well, it creates confidence in things you hope for. Now, this is important because what you hope for is going to determine whether that's legitimate or not. So if you have faith in things that you want to see happen that aren't promised to happen, then you're not going to have a sure hope. So it's not just any hope. So faith is attached to hope. So you have to have your hope in the right place for faith to work. But when your hope is in the right place, faith is going to give you confidence because it's sure to happen. But some of us are attaching our faith to the wrong hopes. And therefore, we're disappointed or we're uncertain because we don't know how certain things will play out. So it says, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, but not just any things hoped for, even good things. It's not attached to the hope of certain diagnoses being better. It's not attached to the approval of other people, the hopes of that. It's not attached to the hope of a change in my circumstance in my life. It's not attached to the hope of any outcome on this earth. But something more significant than those things, because remember, the main thing is not the diagnosis, the approval, the outcome, or the change on earth, but the thing behind that, which is the spiritual thing. And when you attach your hope to what you think is primary, but is actually secondary, you're going to be in for a real struggle. The Bible says that you attach your hope to things that are, you attach your hope to to real things, eternal things, spiritual things. So the hopes that that verse 1 is talking about, the things hoped for, are like the hope of heaven, which is a promise to us. The hope of forgiveness of my sins. The hope of happiness forever with no pain. The hope of eternal life. The hope of God's never-ending love for me. The hope of God with me now. The hope, the fact, the hope and the reality that he works all things together for good, even in the worst of situations. The hope of his promises. The hope of his presence with me. These are the hopes that we have to put our hope in. This is faith for it to work has to be attached to the hopes of heaven. And some of us are attaching our faith to the hopes of this earth, and therefore our faith is shaky. Because nothing on earth is promised to work out a certain way. Your faith has to be attached to the hopes of heaven, the hope of your forgiveness, the hope of happiness with God. It's the assurance of hope is connected to the conviction. It says in the next verse now, the conviction of things not seen. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, spiritual realities, the realities of heaven, the promises of God, which is based on the conviction of things not seen. So here's something for you. The most powerful tool against fears you can see is faith in what you cannot see. The most powerful tool, not the only tool, but the most powerful tool against fears you can see is faith in what you cannot see. The assurance of things hoped for is attached to a deep conviction that the things I cannot see are the main things. If I want to have confidence in my hope, my hopes have to be attached to something I cannot see. With my eyes at least. But here's what faith does. This is wonderful. Faith makes the eyes of your heart see more clearly than the eyes of your head. Faith, you know, it's like you're sitting in a 3D movie, you know, and you're like, this is so blurry. I don't know what's going on. And it's like, you should put these glasses on. And you're like, wow, I can see everything. 
This is what faith does. Faith takes the word of God and it puts it on really the eyes of your heart and it allows you to see what's really happening. Faith makes the eyes of your heart see better than the eyes in your head. And how many of us are making decisions and navigating life based off what the eyes in our head tell us? When faith wants to open your world and help you see in the eyes of your heart. This is why even as we went through Ephesians, remember Ephesians 1, Paul prays that the eyes of our hearts would be opened so that we can see the hope we have in Jesus. How does the eyes, what's the key to unlock the door of your heart, to make the eyes of your heart open to these things? It's faith, faith. Faith makes what we cannot see more real to us than what we can see. And when you get to that point, you begin to live with great confidence because what you can see can never overcome what you cannot see. And now you become a conqueror, someone who overcomes, someone who lives with great confidence. As we talked all about Ephesians, you know, hopes in the Bible is not wishes but guarantees. When I put my hope in things that are biblically promised to me, I live with guarantees, not wishes. And once again, we talked about how detrimental to your emotional and spiritual health it can be to attach your life to wishes instead of hopes. But what's beautiful about this is when it's attached, when my hopes are attached to the things I cannot see but are revealed to me in the scriptures, and my eyes and my heart are open to them, then I become attached to what's really real in the world. And therefore, my hopes become facts, not feelings. How wonderful is this, that my hopes are facts, not feelings. It is an absolute fact that by the, by, the, by the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, I am forgiven of my sins. That's a fact that's greater than my feelings of shame and condemnation. My hope is attached to the fact, not to my feelings. It is an absolute 100% fact of my life that the trajectory of my life is good and one day I will be happy forever. I may not be happy now, that's a feeling, but I will be happy forever, that's a fact. I attach my hopes to facts, not feelings. Jesus really did come, he really did die, and he really did rise again. And my faith is settled in that place. It is a fact, not a feeling. My future is secure, my future is bright. That is a fact, not a feeling. Jesus loves me, even in this moment, in the worst of my moments. That is a fact, not a feeling. All things work together for good. For those who love God and are called according to his purpose, that is not motivational talk, that is a fact. It just is. That is reality in the spiritual realm. Hope is a fact, not a feeling. And how many of us are struggling up and down the roller coaster of our spiritual life because our hopes are based on our feelings? Whether I feel like things will work out for me, whether I feel loved, whether I feel forgiven, whether I feel like I can move forward. And as long as you attach your, your faith to your feelings, you're, you will be up and down, up and down, up and down. But when you attach your faith to facts, and faith allows you the eyes to see it, then you begin to be able to move forward. My hopes are facts, not feelings, and this changes the way I navigate my life. 
This is helpful to me in the midst of disappointments. In the midst of some earthly disappointments, I can move forward because I have an eternal hope. You see what I'm saying? I can navigate an earthly disappointment, and I can deal with being stuck in this moment, and I can continue to move forward because I have an eternal hope. Faith gives me confidence that allows me to move forward. Even though the dark may get darker, in the midst of that, the light gets lighter. I know for certain that what is to come is better and more sure than what is now. Here's the truth about my life. And if this is you if you're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you cannot claim this. This is why you need to be in Christ. But if you are in Christ, listen, no matter what happens in your life, you are always moving forward to eternal life. You see what I'm saying? You, whether you feel it or not, are always moving forward to the better thing. That's what faith tells you. Faith tells you. My feelings tell me I'm stuck and my situation's overwhelming me. And faith tells me I'm getting closer to my eternal life. But my feelings tell me I'm stuck. But my faith tells me, oh, I'm one day closer, one day closer. I wake up and my situation may be the same, but I'm one day closer to glory. That's a fact. And my, my faith begins to fuel my ability to move forward because every step I take, every breath I break, every second that passes, I'm moving forward because I'm one day closer to what I was made for. Faith tells you you are always moving forward. Even in this life, to say, not only am I one day closer to glory, one day closer to Jesus, one day closer to happiness forever, one day closer to what I was made for, but also on this earth, as I pursue the Lord, even today, I'm one day more like Jesus, and tomorrow I have another day to become more like Jesus, and I can begin to attach myself to these realities to say, even if I'm stuck in this situation, I got a day to become more like Jesus, and a day to get closer to heaven. Faith fuels me in that moment to say, what I cannot see, even my spiritual health and my heart, what I cannot see is more real than what I can see. And therefore, I'm going to take what I cannot see, which is my ability to become more like Jesus, which is God forming me into who I'm supposed to be, which are the promises of heaven which are sure to come. I take these realities and they fill me with faith so that I'm never stuck in any situation and I always have something to move forward to. I'm always full of motivation. Why? Because this situation gives me the opportunity to become more like Jesus. Which, when you signed up to become a Christian, was your main goal in life. Don't forget. The main goal of a Christian is not to live the life that's best and most comfortable for us. The main goal now is to become more like Jesus. That's the prize, that's the goal, that's something I can't see. But in the midst of the situations that I hate, I can turn them for good because they give me the opportunity to become what I always wanted to be in the first place, more like Jesus. So I just want you, you know, you, when you wake up tomorrow, I want you to tell yourself I'm one day closer. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're one day closer. You're one day closer. You're one second closer. This sermon's been like 25 minutes. You're 25 minutes closer. You're closer. You're not farther away, you're closer. You know how it feels when you feel so far away from the things that you want. When you feel so far away from the things that you'd like to see happen in your life. That's a lie from the devil to say you're so far away. No, 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 you speak back and you say, no, I'm getting closer. 
I'm getting closer. When my feelings tell me my far, I'm far away, my faith tells me I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer. Wake up tomorrow and say you're one day closer. Now, faith only creates confidence if it's in the hope provided by Jesus because this is the only hope that is guaranteed. Faith in yourself cannot guarantee you anything. Faith in a dead prophet or another religious leader who did not rise from the dead cannot guarantee you anything. Faith in the universe certainly cannot guarantee you anything. The only means by which you can have a sure hope is if you place it in Jesus Christ. Your faith will only work if it's in the right place. You have to put it in Jesus, and Jesus is welcoming you to put it in him today. And I would plead with you to do that. Any other means of faith is a false premise. I was reading this article the other day about a, a, a tech guy in, I don't know, some, someplace in California. And his goal is to live forever. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. I don't know if you guys have seen this. It was some random article. I don't even know if he's famous or not. His goal is to live forever. Uh, and he's made enough money, you know, to just dedicate his whole life to this. And so it says he spent about $4 million already. And he does everything, every decision he makes is in accordance with what the doctors say every minute of his life should be. The goal of, and he does all these weird things, you know, and, and he, he says eating a cookie is an act of violence against himself. That's how he calls it. I don't want to live forever if it's like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Who wants to live forever if you can't eat cookies? What's the point? I don't understand. I don't understand. You're trying to make a point? You'll be miserable forever? That sounds terrible. What in the world? Eating a cookie is an act of violence. Staying up late, an act of violence, you know, which I actually feel that way sometimes in my own life. You know, I wake up and ah. Well, this guy's crazy, you know, and he's doing these things. He's, he's putting his faith in all these doctors with the goal that he'd be able to keep his internal, all his stuff at like an 18 years of age. His idea is that somehow by doing all these things, you could stay young forever. Uh, I don't know if anybody's told him that nobody has ever lived for forever on this earth. I don't, I don't understand. But his, his, his faith in all his doctors and his faith in all his beliefs, right? You look at it and you say, that's pretty silly. Everybody dies. You say, that's just a wish. You're being crazy, even though he's dedicating all his time. Now, let me flip it on us and say, when we put our faith in anything other than Jesus himself, it looks that silly. You look at the guy and say, you can't live forever. I don't care how much faith you have in doctors and how much money you have to spend. That's inevitable. You can't live forever. I don't care what you do every day. You can't live forever. That's crazy. But from a spiritual reality to say, will you put your faith in yourself? You can't even fix your own problems. That's crazy. You put your faith in some other religious leader or prophet who died and never said anything again, and that's crazy. You put your faith in just chance. You really want to roll with that? Like, you're just going to say, as a cosmological accident, we're all just here, and eh, whatever happens, happens. That's, that's legitimately how you want to live your life. That, okay, you can do it, but that's crazy. That's crazy. When on the other hand, we have Jesus Christ who came and lived in front of people who died on the cross and three days later rose again, we have the word of God that reveals Jesus to us and the promise of heaven and the hope of who God, what God has done for us. Say, I'm gonna put my faith there. That seems like solid ground. That seems like a good place to put my faith. So please, please, I beg you, stop living with wishes 
You know, with the genies of the world's pleasures and the genies of money and the genies of all these things, those are, those are genies that you try to get wishes from and you start needing to put your life on hopes that are promised by God. So faith creates confidence, but only when you put it in the right place. The second thing here is that faith creates comfort. Comfort. So assurance not only provides confidence, but assurance also provides comfort. We know this. When we are assured of what we hope for, we know it will come to pass and we're comforted. So when we are assured of someone's love, of someone's promise, or of a certain outcome to come in our life, when we're assured of ourselves in the safety of a dangerous moment, you know, like when you think someone broke into your house, you guys know, and you get up and you say, what was that noise? And your heart's going, you know? You think, what just happened or whatever. And then you realize, okay, after checking everything, everything seems fine, and your, your nervous system calms down. You begin to breathe a little slower. What you didn't realize, you're, you know. And when you realize you're safe in any situation, I mean, you name it. I could give you a million different thoughts about this. Say, pick situations where you felt there ain't danger, and then you realized you weren't in danger and you were okay. When you got in a car accident, whatever it might be, to say, this was dangerous, but now I'm, I'm okay, I'm safe. Or when you have a, a relationship conflict, and you have to go into that conversation, you know? You know, you're anxious, nervous, your palms are sweating, you know? And you say, you know? And then you have a decent conversation, the relationship is somewhat restored, and you, what do you do? You're, your shoulders go back, you feel calm, you feel comforted. Why, why, all of that, those feelings of comfort come from one thing, assurance. Assurance of my safety. Assurance of my relationships being restored. When I'm assured that I am loved, when I'm assured that I am safe, my nervous system calms down and I am comforted. And instead of living on edge, on the verge of a nervous breakdown, uncertain, worried, and stressed all the time, I begun to live with comfort and rest and assurance. And so how, how, how necessary is this for us to say, listen, although it may be the case that you might need some medicine, some counseling, a variety of supports that the world can give you, an essential element of you calming down is faith. It's faith. It's an essential element, certainly not the only element, but the essential element, the primary element of you going from living on the edge Anxious, nervous, frustrated, struggling, hurried, to being able to take a deep breath and live with some calm in your spirit. It's faith because what? My feelings tell me I'm in danger. My feelings tell me I'm unloved. My feelings tell me there's no way this could possibly work out for good. My feelings tell me this really stinks. And all those things might be true in terms of what's going on on the earth. But remember, that's secondary to the primary thing, which is something you cannot see. So faith attaches myself to the realm of that which I cannot see, which is green pastures and still waters. But the Lord is my shepherd. So I can be in a war zone, but my soul be green pastures and still waters because my feelings are attached to the war zone on earth, but my faith is attached to the fact of the Lord is my shepherd. And because my faith is attached to the calm spirit of my Savior, I experience the calm and comfort of God. And how many of us, although once again, there may be other solutions and things you need to involve in your care, 
have left out faith as the essential element of calming your nervous system down, of giving you the ability to navigate pain and suffering, of helping you to live steady and calm in the midst of a hurried and stressed out world. What if the primary thing you always needed was to grow in your faith and to attach your, your nervous system and your stress levels to the things that you cannot see as opposed to the things that you can see? Faith creates confidence, but it also creates comfort. And God is our shepherd who wants to provide rest and comfort to his people. And when you are under his care, you know, I'm going to use this example all the time. Like, my kids don't get stressed out about whether they're going to have a, a house, you know. They don't wake up thinking, I hope this is there tomorrow. What, what's, the, what's the assurance? Is it, is it because they think, well, I work really hard and I provide really well for this family. And because of my diligent labor, we will have a house tomorrow. I'm going to keep doing this and things are going to keep being okay. No. What does their assurance come from? It doesn't come from anything they do. It comes from the reality that they have a mom and dad who care for them. That's it. Their assurance doesn't come from their skills, their abilities, their know-how. It comes from one simple fact. They trust their parents. And the trust they have in their parents has negated all the reasons they have to be stressed and anxious and worried. Because they know their parents will care for them. And it's supposed to be that way with our father. To say, my comfort and trust doesn't come from my ability to navigate this situation, my work ethic to determine my own life, which is good. It's good to work hard. Obviously, the Bible tells us to. But my, my comfort doesn't come from the situations and the things I can do. And that's when you stress yourself out, is when you place the outcome of your life on your shoulders. When you place your future on your shoulders, when you place the direction of your life on your shoulders, man, that's a stressful place to be. Because you and I both know that we're not good enough. And we're not supposed to be good enough. But the beauty of the scriptures is that God is good enough. That God is strong enough. And God loves way more than enough. And you can place your life under the care of the Father. And that doesn't mean your anxieties and worries and stress levels just dissipate. But it does mean now that under the care of the Father, you begin to understand who he is for you and it allows you to grow little by little to become a person. Uh, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 112, chapter 8. It says, who is the man that fears the Lord? He, his heart is steady. He is not afraid of badness. What a verse. His heart is steady. The news may be bad, but his heart is steady. This is what the Lord wants to give you so that he can help you navigate your life. This is what faith looks like. Faith is not just, hurrah, confidence. But faith is also like, shh, I'm good. It's comfort. The Lord is with me. It's okay. The last thing that faith is, is commendation. Faith creates commendation. So verse two says, for by it the people of old received their commendation. And this is basically the rest of the chapter we're gonna see. But faith creates commendation, which basically uh, an approval, like a well-done, good and faithful servant. When you live with the conviction, then that's going to lead to commendation, a life that pleases God. The next, the next section over that we're going to see next week is that you, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So faith creates commendation, which means it gives you the ability to please God in the things that you do. 
which you didn't have before apart from faith. Now, here's the reality for us is that, remember, everyone has faith. So this is where we're going to close now. I'm going to ask DDA, y'all can go ahead and come back up. This is where we're closing. To say, remember, everyone has faith. So here are your two options. You either have faith that creates commendation, well done, or you have faith that creates condemnation, your sins must be punished. See what I'm saying? Your faith now is going to create commendation, good job, well done, enter into the joy of my Father for eternity, or your faith is going to create condemnation, which is that you have sins and you've placed your faith in the wrong place and your sins must be dealt with. And if they're not dealt with on the cross, they're gonna be dealt with in hell forever. Everyone has faith. And your faith is either leading to commendation from the Father because you put it in Jesus. And he's gonna look at you because of Jesus and say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's what many of you have to look forward to, praise God. Keep your eyes focused on that. But for those of you maybe in the room or watching online, your heart should be beating a little bit faster because you realize that you've placed your faith in the wrong place and it's not delivering to you what is needed now and it's certainly not gonna do that later. If you do not place your faith in Jesus, it's not a whoops, let's try better, maybe it'll work out next time. No, no, no. The consequence of not putting faith in Jesus is that you never get to be with Jesus. And if you think the outcomes of the earth are bad, the outcomes of an eternity separated from God and hell are much worse. Your faith is either leading to commendation by putting it in God or condemnation by putting it in something other than God. And my encouragement to all of us this morning is to either put our faith in Jesus for the very first time by repentance of my own way and trusting in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, and God's calling you to do that now, or by remembering where your faith is in the first place. And as a follower of Jesus, you come in this room this morning and you attach your hopes and your faith once again to the facts of what God has said and not to the feelings of what your life feels like. Attach your faith to facts, not to feelings, and to Jesus and to nothing else. Faith creates confidence, faith creates comfort, and faith creates commendation. And I pray that as 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, that we will be a people who walk by faith, not by sight. Let's pray and let's consider now what the Lord has for each one of us. God, we love you. Thank you, Lord, that you are worthy of our trust and our faith. Thank you, Lord, that in Christ our future is bright. Thank you, Lord, that you've promised us so many wonderful things that we can attach our faith to. I pray this morning that our faith would be firmly in you, that you would move it from the places where it is and that you would put it firmly in you. I pray, Lord, that you would give us faith, God, to believe who you are and what you've said and that that faith would allow us to move forward in our life wherever we are and whatever situation we find ourselves. I pray, Lord, I desperately pray that not a single person would leave this room or turn the live stream off without having faith in Jesus. We ask that you would work in this room now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Why don't you stand?